Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Howdy and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and today is July 10th, 2018. And on today's episode, connecting with other public land hunters is exactly what we are doing and what I'm doing. Um, I can't be more happy with some of the recent episodes because um, that's kind of all we've been doing is talking to other public land hunters. So I hopeful, I'm hopeful that uh, everyone is getting some good value out of the, the show and the podcast. Uh, I won't yammer on. I will go ahead and bring on our guests from the Whitetail Experience, a couple of guys out of Ohio. I'll let them introduce themselves here. Hope you guys all enjoy. Thanks. All right. So we have with us two different people on the line from the same place uh, out of Ohio. We have Byron Horton and Dave Ebright, two last names that I am very happy that I messed up I'd, I'd be missing some brain cells I'm sure but um, these guys are with the whitetail experience fellas how you doing good good thanks for having us on tonight yep, appreciate yeah. it. not bad for a Monday night this is this is a good thing to do on a Monday night yeah anytime we can talk talk deer that's that's where we want to be and you guys are good at talking deer I took some time over the last week week and a half um, and even prior to that I kind of I think I found you guys on Instagram or you came across my feed some way, somehow. I think it was through association with the working class bow hunters who I just had a, a little interview with uh, not that long ago. Um, you guys went to their shoot that they had? Yeah. Was that pretty Yeah, fun? we were just out there last weekend. Yeah, it was a great time. Good to see those guys and uh, like what they do. How'd you guys do? <laughs> we cleaned house. They won't invite us back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's Dave's being modest over here. He won the hundred yard competition, and then our our third compadre, El Diablo, Andy, he uh, he won the three D kind of shoot off competition they had. Man. Uh, yeah, Kurt and those guys were making fun of us, saying they, they're not sure they're going to have us back next year. <laughs> that's pretty funny. What the heck? That's like uh, people from Wisconsin can't enter drinking contests elsewhere because we're we're too good at it, so we're just not allowed to play anymore. <laughs> Oh, you can enter them down here in Ohio whenever you want to. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so whereabouts in Ohio are you guys at? Where do you spend most of your time in the woods without giving too much away? Um, well, we're, we're located right here. Uh, we live in Columbus, um, but we travel um, We we travel quite a ways to hunt. Um, we hunt seven or eight different counties. Um, there's really there's a couple pieces around Columbus, but, uh, you know, clearly they get a ton of pressure. Yeah, that's where all the population is. So do yeah, you do you have like um, I think your guys is I mean the way your season breaks down I, you know, I've heard things about Wisconsin's gun season how it's 
I don't know why it's not a state holiday yet. It's going to happen at some point. I'm positive, but it feels like a state holiday where most of the state is a ghost town. Um, but for bow hunting here in, in Wisconsin, it's a little bit more kind of, you know, every man for himself, kind of one for all for one scenario. And I use that time to go and do a lot of exploring and discovery and hunting kind of, um, where I feel like a freaking ninja, you know, is that how, how yeah. does your bow and gun season compare to each other as it stands against Wisconsin? Um, I, uh, I think some of the smaller, uh, school districts and whatnot get the first day of gun season off of school. Nice. Um, cause it's, so it's, so it's kind of a big deal, I guess, in Ohio. Um, in Ohio, we only have like, uh, I guess we do have somewhat limited gun seasons, which, which is nice. Um, bow season extends throughout the whole season. Bow season goes from the end of September, usually to the very beginning of February. Um, and then you got a gun season that is, it's one week long. It's the Monday after Thanksgiving. Um, and it goes seven days and that's shotgun, um, shotgun and muzzleloader. Um, and they just recently added, you can use like some straight wall cartridges, hmm. um, and stuff. Uh, they just recently added that rule, um, a few years ago. Um, and then they have, then the two weeks later, they have like a two day gun season, just a two day weekend. And then normally, normally a little after New Year's, they have like a four-day muzzleloader season. So, um, I mean, there, there's some gun seasons throughout, but it's not uh, it's not like a lot of the other states that have these. Really, yeah, we don't have the, the really long extended gun seasons, which is nice for for bow hunting for sure. Quick little sprints. Yeah, it's not bad at all. I was looking at some of your videos, and I was telling Byron before we hit the record button when I called earlier that. If I didn't know you guys are from Ohio, it looks pretty similar to the, the terrain that I hunt here in, in Wisconsin, you know, just being in the Midwest, I suppose there's not too many differences, but you know, other than being yeah, about I think seven hours apart. Uh, I think uh, what we call hills, you guys might call bluffs. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I'm not yeah. sure what a bluff is. I know I keep hearing this term and I'm like, what is a bluff? leeward side of the bluff or the ridge and da, da, da. yeah then we also call uh, water fountains bubblers you guys heard that one yet uh, i have not heard that one. Oh yeah <laughs> but no we have like a mixed bag of, of terrain and habitat yeah uh the the, the glacier came through and kind of hit the the western side of the state so it's like flatter you know you don't have to play thermals and uh, on that side it's, it's flat you're you're looking for subtle changes in topography and and, and then we can go oh southeast northeast and you know you're hitting uh bigger hills some, some of the appalachia style uh not mountains but but big hills sometimes we hit some strip mine type you know terrain where you've got uh very distinct terrain features that really funnel deer and, and limit your access so yeah we get a diverse style of habitat hunting here and on. big deer too the the video you posted uh about four months ago bow hunting public land whitetails that was a nice looking tent with some good mass. Yeah, that deer um, is, is it's uh, it's one of those deer that has the mass that makes it, it, it it's bigger than it than it may look in a photo, you know. Yeah. Like it, it hides a lot of uh, size in, in that in the mass that it carries out in all those points. That, that's a really big deer. That's a, our third partner. Uh, old his name's Andy. We call him El Diablo just because of his fire beard. But, like Taco uh, Bell hot sauce. <laughs> Taco Bell hot sauce. I saw him eating those, what the hell are those little like things called those little burritos in the stand? <laughs> the little, they're, 
they're the little tornado things that you can <laughs> yeah. get like at the Speedway gas station, but we call them tornadoes, tornadoes just because they're like, you know, some kind of Hispanic food. So we call them, we just changed up the lingo. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah, that'll <laughs> give you, that'll give you the shits when you're, you know, the, ne- the next day or later <laughs> that night. Man, nothing like, I got to get down from the stand right now. I got to get, you don't understand. <laughs> we, we switched over to corn dogs later in, later in the rut. That's funny. <laughs> it was a good video. I was, I was laughing and chuckling to myself. You guys were tossing food into his mouth or whatever. And uh, it's like, I dropped one. Is that, am I baiting now? Shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that... we, definitely, uh, we definitely have a good time. I mean, it's, that's what, you know, the filming aspect of things, it definitely makes things difficult. But then you got, but you also got two people in the stand. I mean, it, you know, it makes for, you know, you're out there hunting, you're being serious as you can, but you're also, you know, running on limited sleep, you know, sitting in a tree stand with your buddy for long hours. And it definitely can get, it's kind of like baseball. You got all this downtime. You're just kind of hanging out there, twiddling your thumbs. And then boom, something happens. It's like game on, you know, and then you're all checked in. Not exactly. Of the time is just kind of sitting around waiting, and then that ten percent when it happens, it's it's that's what makes it, you know, for the most part. But that's well, why to, you see to, all the shenanigans in the dugouts and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, to talk about in firefighters, they're the ones that always play like pranks on each other all the damn time. So it's it's pretty similar stuff. Um, I so to to mention like, oh no, I, I does that mean I just went I just baited by dropping some food on the ground? I I'd, uh, had an idea of just simply, as you guys know, you guys hunt public land. I hunt public land. That's all I hunt, um, given the one or two times I get to hunt my uncle's lease. But, you know, I, that's about it for me, and that's not very common. It's like once every three years I get onto that, and I haven't had a lot of success there anyway. So, But in any event, um, you, there's a lot you can't do on public land, you know? Yep. You can't yeah, take you're very a limited. out or a gator. I don't think you. I, I can't. We can't hear you guys. Can't can't there. Can you? No. Um. It's there's some areas that like have like ATV trails and stuff, um, but they're more of a uh, like a nuisance, at least to us, because we don't we don't run ATVs. Don't you gotta get. Them. Yeah, we don't own them. You gotta get licenses and whatnot. So it's like, you know, they're almost <laughs> they're more of a nuisance than a help. That the fact that there is an ATV trail. Sure. Some of the some state parks and state forests. Well, I, I noticed, like, one of your other videos you posted recently, uh, a couple days ago, the public land trail cam set up. Um, you know, I haven't messed around with that a whole lot. I have some trail cams. I just, I haven't put them out because, I don't know, I'm afraid they're going to get stolen. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, you know, and that's the problem because you, you, you might, like, there's been times when, like, I want to put the camera here. But if if some random person comes walking by, like they're going to see this camera, so so you have to position them, you know, further into a thicket, further back into stuff, and like you might want to put it on like a good trail crossing or an intersection, but you can't because it's too close to, you know, like a public access route or something. So then you end up having to stick it down in some thick stuff, and we're really only shooting one trail. And uh, I mean, yeah, theft is. Then you go, then you leave it out there for two months, and you go back in there, and the whole time you're walking in, you're just praying it's there. Praying yeah, it's there. And then you, you put it in such a spot where, you're like, is it even is it even gonna get anything on camera at this point? Like you mentioned, you only get in a one spot. It's like, is that even where I want it to be? Yeah, and you can't bait, so um, so you can't like just like throw out like a, a bag of corn or nothing to to help draw pictures. So, uh, I mean, like you saw in the video, we mentioned we will throw them on 
like your 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 year round scrapes, like your your scrapes are there every year, no matter what, and like your big like car hood size, like hub scrapes, like those definitely get hit like signposts, you know, three hundred and sixty five days a year. They're they're not just only that like, you know, rut time of you know, of uh of the year they're, they're getting hit all the time so that'll give you a good sense Maybe of bucks are passing up, through right like at least you have some idea yeah. of what the activity looks like i mean and that's a tactic as a public land hunter where we have to find creative ways around the things that we're limited to being able to do to make the most of our hunts on public land and that's a great point right there well i can't put on a bait pile but what can i do you know we're, yeah. we're public land hunters yeah, you gotta try to find something yeah, we're not little we're not little bitches to say, for lack of better terms here, <laughs> that we're like, oh, I can't believe the trail cam, and I haven't figured it out yet, clearly, so maybe I am that guy for the moment, but creatively <laughs> problem-solving around it to figure out, okay, well, what can I do, you know? Well, and then you almost have to trust that, like, you know, you, you get another person that's, like, semi-dedicated to hunting that might be out there scouting. Like, if they run along your camera, like, you, you got to hope that, they have semi the same mindset as you as the, you know, being a public land hunter, like that they'll leave your trail camera. You know, we find trail cameras all the time hunting, you know, yeah, and same. you know, a lot of times I'll walk by, give them a thumbs up or something. And, you know, it's just, that's just, that's just what we do. I mean, I'm hoping somebody else that walks by ours is somewhat like-minded, but all you can we, do is we hope. need more we hunters like that. Whoever the people are that are out there stealing these things and getting really possessive about the public land and, and tearing others down, it's not the right mindset. You guys have the right mindset. Yeah, thumbs up is a great thing. And for someone to see that when they get their trail cam, that's putting some like hope back in the community that we're we're not all out there to, you know, screw each other over. Exactly. I've even written my uh, like name and phone number down and like held it in front of cameras before trying to get a picture like hey like you know i'm we're both clearly hunting this area you know give, give me a call um or you know a text or something and but that's never worked but <laughs> i've tried at least <laughs> yeah there's that trust factor I, I remember um last year yeah it was last year we, we i pulled a a drawing for a conservancy land so it's public land or it's private land but they make it available to the public so they do a drawing um, this conservancy and I won the drawing with my dad, which is cool. And a few other people won. So I think there's eight people total that got to hunt this plot of land. And we were in the, the, no one called a parking lot, but this grassy field where you would, it was designated for parking and a couple other hunters showed up and I said, you know, we're going to be heading over this direction over here. I have no intention on, you know, encroaching on your spot or anything like that. I don't really care where you're going. I know where I'm, I know where I'm going based on my scouting. So, you know, good luck. And you guys may or not know, but we have the, the Where to Hunt uh, app. And I said, hey, if you guys want, you want to jump on this app, you know, this way we can really stay away from each other, kind of maybe help each other out or whatever. If we want to get my phone number, we can text, yada, yada. They weren't having it. They were not. They were super disinterested thinking I was going to steal their spot. I'm not interested in your spot, man. I don't really care where you're hunting. But there's just yeah. not a lot of yeah, trust. Exactly. That just speaks to what's going on. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, it, it's tough like that because, at the same time, we've worked for for years to find these better locations, and we have spots where it's a it's a drop off system where you're going to drop the guy off because we don't want a vehicle parked out front advertising yep. where we're hunting there, because um, because that is part of the public land game. It is it, it is a little bit of competition, and you know, getting to the parking lot first, and and you know, out out working and outsmarting other hunters and playing off guys that aren't mobile. 
it's it, it, the public land game. It, it does involve other people, just not just deer. Yeah, and if you're and if you're not baiting and you're trying to figure out, we're like, okay, where are they going to go for food? Like, what are some of the egg fields around here that you know I can maybe use my advantage that might butt up against the public property? But then you're thinking, well, gosh, I bet you all the other hunters are thinking a very similar thing. That's not that complex of an idea, you know? Yeah, yeah. We and we we talk to people whenever we can. We see them on the roads. If we see them in parking lots. And, um, try and you know, gauge them. Yeah, we, we try to gauge, like, you know, semi what, you know, their knowledge, I guess. That way we kind of know, like, okay, like he's hunting here, but we ne- don't necessarily need to worry that he's going to be in here killing the giants. You know, he might get lucky in a rut, but, you know, we're a little bit, uh, you know, more well versed in, in deer, I guess you could say, <laughs> if that's even a thing. Yeah, there's the guys that like to get out and enjoy the time, and, and they have that time when they got it, so they get out for a limited amount. But then you get the guys like like us, where we're a little bit more obsessed with whitetails. So yeah, we, exactly, we, definitely. And yeah. well, thing you might pull into a parking lot, and there might be two cars there, and you're like, oh, I'm just going, I'm going somewhere else. But then if you stop and talk to them, you realize that they're just like going 100 yards off the road, just in there wanting to see Mother Nature, and you know maybe try to get one. And so then, you know, it, like you wouldn't even know that unless you stopped and talked to them. Yeah. Think about those hunters we saw at the uh, long easement piece. Yeah. We pulled in and uh, these guys were kind of looking at us. We kind of just, you know, small talk. Hey, how you doing? And uh, that was kind of, you know, we could see they had climbers and they, we could see they had these big musk boots. And one guy was pretty heavy set. So Dave and I kind of were like, dude, these guys ain't going very far. <laughs> you know, we're going to the, the, this back, you know, Oak Ridge. We'll be well away from these guys. They're probably, you know, literally walking down the easement and hunting right, right then and there. So, but we we could have saw their vehicle and, and and drove away, but we, you know, we stopped and talked to them. You know, it, you know, and it, it makes makes a difference. It makes a huge difference, and it, I find that when you talk to people in person, whatever cojones people seem to possess on social media or whatever, once you're there face to face, most guys are pretty cool about just chit chatting about it. And, and you'll find that at that point, like, you, you really are sharing some good times with these other people. You don't have no idea who they are, but you are coming together on this common thing, which is hunting public land. Like, how'd you do? Did you see anything? And that's just kind of, the, that's like the first two questions you ask someone. Yeah. Well, then you got, you got to take what people say with the grand salt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be point. the first person to I say didn't see I anything. didn't see anything, yeah. but I saw four deer that night. Yeah. No, no, we didn't see nothing by us. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh i went fishing i brought my wife fishing with me once and i go to this i call it a secret spot and we're walking out and some little kid is like hey did you catch anything i'm like no we didn't catch anything my wife's like what the hell we caught a whole bunch of fish why'd you lie to him I'm like because he's gonna go tell his dad and i don't know so it'll be my fishing hole she's like that was a kid i'm like yeah i guess i have a problem <laughs> and that's the thing like like you know you might sit there and talk to somebody and it's like okay like i don't mind telling you what i saw or where i was at and stuff but I know you're going to go tell 10 other people. And, and uh, that's when it becomes, you know, that's why you somewhat have to be kind of secretive about things. Guarded, yeah. I don't even tell my boss at work what county I'm in or, or what piece of public I'm going to because, you know, how do I know his brother in two years isn't going to decide to bow hunt and be like, oh, Byron is this piece, you know, he's killed a couple of deer off of. No, don't get me wrong, I would help a, a guy and, and send him to an area that I think is good based on, uh, you know, some some factors as far as where it is in Ohio and what kind of habitat that maybe I hunt there, maybe I don't, but I could definitely help steer somebody. But I'm not just going to volunteer, uh, you know, some of the 
the information that we have. We do have our honey holes, and, and we got to keep those semi semi guarded. You know, yeah. I think it's like it's a kind of part of it. A pride thing. Like we work so hard to get it that like we don't want someone else to ride our coattails. It's less about being like mean about no, I'm not going to tell you where I'm hunting. It's more about saying, well, dude, I worked really hard for that. You can't just go and show up and ride my coattails of all this hard labor I put in. But if someone's willing to well, yeah. learn and get into the sport, right, and they're new, man, I will take you right to where I shot all of my deer, and you can sit right there because I want you to have some success. So that's kind of an interesting Absolutely. way to look at it, right, like the, the two kind of dynamics that play out there. Yeah, and you kind of like sometimes I'll like uh, – I've, I've talked to a couple newer hunters um, over the years, and I'll kind of like send them to a general area that I know there's deer. Um, it, it might not be like, you know, one of my – you know, like I said, you and after you do public for 10 years plus or something you you have some some honey holes that you know don't get the pressure that is what it is and those kind of stay secret in your back pocket but you definitely know a bunch of areas that have deer in general and i'll send i'll tell them like hey man this fire right here has good deer you know go see what you can find there go go look for some sign um you know let me know what you find and, and where you went and I'll, I'll help you out but i've been through that piece and you like you almost have to like let them learn it on their own. You know, you can't just drop a pen for them and say, Hey, go here. Go here. You gotta say, yeah. you gotta say, you know, go, go walk around, you know, see what you find. This area on the right side of the road past the turnaround. Yeah. Go, you know, go there. Go you there. Know. You can't just, you, you, you know, you can't, you, you can't baby people into it either and just say, Hey, go hunt here. You know, you know, and then they go and shoot, shoot a big deer or something and learn nothing about it, but they got a deer or two on their wall. You know, it's just kind of you, you, you got to uh, introduce people the correct way. That makes sense because otherwise they're they're set up for failure down the road. A little hate in the oh, sport, yeah, you know. Never got a big deer again. Can't do it on my own. Dan Infolt, yeah, I had him on, and he talked about a guy like that. Like he just wanted Dan to do everything, and as soon as Dan was gone, he's like, "Well, I can't hunt now." He's like, "Well, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's. That, that, and, and, and if they weren't, you know, and, and they were probably, you know, you got to introduce them the correct way or else they're going, they will feel that way. And then, and then what the next thing to do is they go find their, you know, second uncle's house that has 20 acres and they go sit in ladder sand over corn bile. Yep. Yeah. See, that's that. I think to me, that's one of the biggest draws of public land hunting is, I mean, it sounds so cliche to say I like the challenge, but I really like the challenge, and I like exploring new land. Oh, Eric, that's I love that's the process. Like, I I love hunting new pieces. I love going new places. I like the feeling of being in the woods and knowing I can go over any hill. And and that's actually kind of how I got started hunting public land. Is is I had access to to a small private farm and and kind of realized in my hunting career I needed to you know, develop as a deer hunter. And I really think by, by hunting public land, by scouting multiple pieces, it, you're only getting practice, more and more practice, just like you would at a sport. You're, you're, you know, going to practice, improving your skills and getting better as a hunter. And I love also that adventure aspect that public land brings. Yeah. I'm obsessed with yeah, the adventure we part. Uh, yeah. We haven't traveled like out of state uh, very, very much at all uh, yet. You know, we're definitely planning some out of state stuff now. But part of that's because we, we travel a lot around our state. You know, we, we don't, like, if I was hunting the back 40, you know, all the time, I, I would definitely be, 
I would have definitely out of state a lot more, you know. But you know, like we'll travel, we can travel two, three hours and to hunt a different public piece, you know, within our own state. So we we get that travel adventure aspect out of just hunting public land in general, you know. Um, you know, if you got a small private piece, or uh, even if it's a decent sized private piece, you have to be very selective of when you hunt and how you hunt. Because you burn and, it out, right? Like, you can't show up too early or, or it's done. Yeah, you're tiptoeing around it when you're hunting. I mean, you know, like, like we will get in there and, and blow things up if we have to. <laughs> so learn a piece and to try to get on a buck. And, you know, like, you know, and, and you know, we'll just go to another piece. Because, you know what, now we know where the deer are not. Are not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, that's just, you know, that's definitely our tactic. We definitely – Stay very aggressive so, on the public. We we aggressively scout. That way we have tons of banked areas that we can go to. And if we want to try to get after a buck, we're going and try to get after him. And we can blow out every deer in the county. And I don't care. I'll just go to a different county. So let's let's kind of unpack that just a little bit. So you know, assuming that most of the people that hear this, hopefully, are public land hunters. If they're not, no big deal. Like right, you could. There's still something to learn if you're a private land hunter. And again, I, I point out, like, I've had people email me, like, you're always bashing on private land hunters. Yeah, not really. You know, this is just this is just our emphasis and focus. So, you know, sorry if that's the way you feel. It's not the intention. Um, this is just what we know. So yeah. at that point, let's un- I want I want to maybe unpack the um, how do you guys aggressively eliminate a property? Like, how do you how do you determine that there's no deer in this property? Like, what what do you go through? To get to that point, how fast do you do you go? Okay, this isn't gonna produce. Like we're we're not gonna continue to spend time here because it can get really romantic. Like you can romanticize about like oh I could just picture a big one coming out of this area because this looks like the area I hunted the other land. You know how do you get through some of those biases in your mind that you create? How do you eliminate a property? Sure, sure. I think I think one it's it's a mindset. To me, when I step on a piece of public, it's how much land can I eliminate? Because you got to realize that 80 to 90% of the, the, the land is, is not where you need to be. You need to find that 10, 20% that's going to have deer and going to have deer of the caliber you're after. I think then as far as like, you know, you talking about how do we read and adjust accordingly, that that's a, a multifaceted question. But, you know, you're looking <laughs> at even trucks in the parking lot or, number of people hitting a piece um dave's really good about adapting on the fly as far as going into a piece and oh man there's not the rubs and scrapes here that i i can remember from years past part of a part of i think what makes us successful and uh public land is kind of a craze online and people are claiming to be public land experts you know dave and i've been doing i've been doing this for 10 years dave's been doing this for 10 plus that that does play a factor. We can walk into some of these pieces of public land and be like, yep, it's hot this year. Uh, we didn't have a squirrel hunter in here in September blowing it up. Or we can walk into a piece and be like, oh, man, there's a couple bow hunters in here. You know, we see some stands. Uh, the sign's just not here. The amount of uh, tracks, the amount of, you know, poop on the ground, you know, the browsing pressure that we're seeing on, on some of the, the rose bushes. That That all plays a factor. So you're good at that point, like saying, "All right, man, let's go. We're on to the next one. Like we're gonna we're gonna write this one off for this year. We'll check it out next year or something." But that's a good point too. Like yeah. noting the number of other stands out there is a pretty important piece. And and 
it's almost disheartening when you get to a spot you're like oh it's promising it looked great on on you know google maps or whatever and then you get there and you see two or three stands you're like shit you know i guess yeah. i wasn't yeah. able to think that and, and on the flip side of things, I mean, we will hunt a same uh, general area multiple times. Um, like the spot that uh, me and Andy hunted at this year where he killed that that uh, that good 10-pointer this year, we hunted that spot like four times, which is abnormally, you know, high for one area. But every time we were in there, we were seeing good deer. It's actually like a bottom where the wind swirls, so it's not the greatest area like a lot of deer do bust you eventually because eventually they're going to catch your wind. But we just kept seeing, we just, we just kept seeing bucks. We kept seeing good deer. And so we just kept going back, you know, basically you hunt it. If it's hot, you got to hunt it, hunt it while it's hot. And if it, if it slows down, you have to pull that plug right then and there and not be attached to it because, Oh, it was really great here the last three days, you know, and then, then day four, you go in there, you don't see a deer, you better pull out at lunch. Pull out and and don't come back. You you can't get attached to things. Um, I know uh, that's uh, Jared Scheffler preaches that. Yeah, he don't get he attached does. to the spot. And I, I mean, you know, he's good and, at it too. You have to. You have to be that way. You know, and, and you you might not know why it's cold and gone cold. You, you have no idea on public land why an area has gone cold. You know, you might have a spot a honey hole for ten years. And all of a sudden you go in there and there's it, it's just gone cold. There's not a sign you've seen before. That, that you know it's just it's it's disappeared. And you you have no idea why, but you have no idea that the the kid four houses down who loves uh, a squirrel hunt is yeah. in there every night after school. Yeah, just turned four, fourteen, <laughs> got his own twenty two, and he's in there every night stomping around trying to shoot tree rats. You know you you just don't know why, but some reason it's cold. So you got to get out of there and find something different. That makes sense. That's pretty cool. I see, and it's it's one thing to hear it and say it and talk about it. It's a whole other thing to be able to pull that trigger or not, I guess, to like actually leave a property. But I think that's where that's the a... whole, you know, the public land thing, like the excitement of discovering that new property, that to me, that's been my driver to get away from that mindset of, no, I want to stick with it because whatever, right? I am attached. Um, and I've made a point to do that over the last few years and really get onto some new property, oh, okay. which has proven to be just a ton of fun at the very minimum. Yeah, we have, uh, so we have obviously, we have like the spots that we found throughout years past. Um, but we also like, we, we scout heavily, you know, right after season. And, uh, you know, that like, so, so we have like a huge list of spots potentially to hunt every year. And, and we never get to all of them. You know, you got your A's, your B's, and your C's, and so on. But, you know, if you go into, like, if we go into an area and it's gone cold, like, we've done enough work throughout the years that like, we have another pretty good option. But then we also have the areas that are, you know, that we're going in blind to. Yeah. We're going to them blind middle of the, middle of the season. That's how, that's a, I, I killed my buck this year on a piece that we had never hunted in prior years. I hunted it, uh, we'll call it November 5th, had a really good hunt, lots of deer, a couple bucks. And Dave and I went in there, uh, shifted our position by 100 yards, hunted, minimal movement, scouted a little bit more that morning, found a heck of a pinch. Dave goes in there uh, to the, the, next the pinch. The very, next next, very next morning. Very next morning uh, has, has two debacles that we won't talk about. But <laughs> bottom line, Team White Coast. 
Team Waito experience, uh, gun season opener kills a nice fat doe and uh, a nice nice buck um, gun season opener in this spot because we have continued to scout, you know, new piece to that year, realized it was decent. Then the, the section we were hunting went cold, scouted another couple hundred yards, and boom, ended up with a buck on the ground for the team. You know, that's huge. Yeah. And, and had, a, had two opportunities at other good bucks. Yeah, that's awesome. And, that, and that's the gratification piece where it's like, holy crap, if you didn't push on just a little bit more, you wouldn't have had that experience. You know, that's that's huge. Sorry to me to cut and, you off there, um, and, and we're not scared to we're not we're not scared to bump those because, you know, public land, the, the deer in general get get bumped a lot in public land, period. Um, you might bump. That's why, you know, the whole bump and dump tactic, you know, is 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 very viable on public land because. You know, he's safe in that spot. You bump him, he's going to come back because that's a safe spot. But those are the same way. You might blow through uh, a thicket and, and blow out a bunch of does. They'll be back. They'll be back in a couple of days. And then when you're talking, you know, the rut or something, um, you know, you know that those are going to come back to the same sanctuaries and same thickets and same spots they've been to regardless. So then you always got the rut in your back pocket. Um, for the fact that no matter how much you scout and blow out deer and blow out does, even during season, give them a week, then those are going to come back and the bucks going to come looking for them. That's a good way to look at it. That makes a lot of sense. The fact that the the bucks will come for the does and, and the does will make their way back because it just geographically speaking, there are certain areas that are just safe. So like you might kill the you know the record breaking buck one year, but next year another buck is going to find that same bed as you know a by and large, a very safe spot for that animal to be, you know, from normal predation. Um, do, you, do you guys think that there's some yeah. truisms there, right? Like some of the, the beds that hold bigger bucks are always going to hold some bigger bucks once you figure out where they are. <laughs> That's the hard part. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, de- definitely. And a lot of that goes to wind and thermals and, and terrain features and whatnot as well. But uh, just the fact that, you know, if, if you bump a deer, if you bump a buck, if you bump does, whatever it may be, and, and they run off scotch free, um, you know why that wouldn't? Bed. Yeah, why wouldn't they come back? Because yeah. that that bed worked. That bed worked. Here here came danger. I escaped. Now I'm still living. That bed must be a pretty good place to to lay. Yeah, so they're going to go back. That, you know what? That's that's interesting. Um, I I never really actually put that spin on it in my mind. That uh, if oh, you bump them, it means it worked. Like it it worked, and they were able to escape safely, and it alerted them in time, yeah. and etc. So like course they would go back to that i would yeah i uh i bumped uh i bumped the same buck uh probably three to four hours apart with a, a during gun season and I, I i wonder if he just knew that if he laid there he was almost you know bulletproof he could see me pushing from from whatever distance but yeah we did we did the same push and sure enough same buck jumped up not necessarily the same bed but he was 30 yards uh, from where I jumped him four hours earlier. Sure. Uh, so, so I, and he probably he probably ran downwind or stood somewhere and watched me walk out of there and realized, huh, that worked. I I guarantee you that's what he did. I was young and really didn't know much at that point, but I was like, huh, that's the same buck. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. You know, you you start listening to, um, you know, some of these, you know, hunting legends. You start listening to the infaults and whatnot. Then you start listening to their tactics and tips. And recall all of your past encounters over the last 
10, mm-hmm. 15 years mm-hmm. and just start to like put the pieces together and just like, yep, that makes sense now, you well, know? For I, that I know reason. Yeah, I was gonna say for that yeah. reason, like I'm now. So I've talked about like oh, I've been exploring all these new properties, and I've really added to my, you know, um, repertoire or, or whatever the word is there to have all sorts of pieces to choose from now because I keep learning and doing more on top of the ones I still can go explore and do more of. But now that I'm getting all this knowledge from talking to people like that, I want to go. It's like reading a book twice or watching a movie twice. Suddenly now you pick up on things you didn't pick up on the first time that. I'm like, man, I've been missing out on this this whole time. I want to go back to some of these places because when I was hunting before, I was just oblivious or ignorant to some of the things that I should have been looking for. Yeah, I got a good story on that. Um, so, like, um, so it was the third buck I ever killed, but the first buck I killed with a bow, um, the first year I actually really started bow hunting um, pretty hardcore. Um, I go into this spot, and there's a huge scrape. So I, I hunted the whole morning poured down randomly the whole morning and i made the drive down i was in college at the time and i was you know broke as a joke and so i was like i made the hour drive here i'm going to stay here all day and hunt this evening no matter what so i threw on like my like uh camo overalls and had like gym shorts and my nikes on and i was like i'm hunting this evening i got soaked all morning and then i go and i hunt this spot and i find this uh find this really nice scrape and I, and I set up basically over top of the scrape. I didn't know anything about hunting back then. I was like, oh, scrape, must be a big buck around here. Yeah. So I just hung a stand there. But then here came this, uh, you know, this nice big, you know, he's actually got like a 10 and a half inch drop tine buck that I shot. And I shot him and he was heading towards that scrape. And now I know, like, you know, he was coming. So it rained on that scrape all day. And he was going to come freshen up that scrape before the evening. Um, you know, because when all the deer get up, basically most deer are nocturnal for the most part. So deer are moving throughout the whole night. So bucks will touch up the scrapes right there in the evening, right before dark, right before, you know, 90% of deer are up walking around all night long. So now I know like, oh, well, that buck was coming to touch up that scrape after that rain. But back then I didn't know. I just thought I was just grinding out, getting soaked yeah. and hunting. Yeah, putting freaking hours you know? and I got <laughs> it done. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy to think about things like that. You know, anytime I see a big buck, um, I'm out hunting or whatever, I'll, I'll if, it, if I didn't get the, the opportunity, right, I'll, I'll try to, like, zoom out on the map and be like, okay, I saw him here. Like, where was he coming from? Which way was the wind blowing? Why was he going this way? Like, try to make some sense out of maybe why they were traveling the way they were and kind of really try to understand what the hell's going on. But some and of that stuff doesn't come until you get more experience, you know? It's just one of those things. <laughs> And you can try as much as you want to, and that that's the that's the mind-boggling thing that keeps us all interested as right. hunters. Yeah. That's the you added know, part. And, you know, yeah, if deer were as patternable as everybody wanted them to be, then everybody would have a big wall of bucks on their wall. Yep. One of those companies out there, like, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but like a Cuddlebag or Cuddlebag. <laughs> what are the freaking companies where, like, is it uh, Deer Lab? Is that the one? Where... It's software where you have multiple trail cams up, and it and it's like uh, this yep. software that'll yep. start to do the pattern recognition, identify the bucks, and suddenly it's going to give you your you know most probable chance to see this buck at this day, at this time, at this spot. And what yeah, at what point do you call that, that cheating? Just... Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Eric, I uh, I did use now. I didn't know I was going to kill that buck that day. Sure. But I had summer trail cam or pics uh, of a uh, of a deer, and uh, I basically used. You know, one point for nighttime picks, two points 
for, okay. for morning and evening. And uh, I think I gave three points for, for midday. I was like, dude, if a deer's midday, generally they're not traveling far or they're going somewhere they, they've been bumped and feel safe. So I gave three points for like a midday pick. I had one midday pick. Um, but I threw that into like, I'm an accountant, so I'm a little okay. little savvy at, at, as far as Excel. Excel. Yeah. So I threw that into some tables and I noticed that I gave this deer 33 possible scoreable points from all my trail cam picks, but I noticed 22% of them were on a south and a west wind. Huh. Like I almost had no points on north winds, no points on east winds. I killed that deer on a southwest wind that day. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to kill that deer. There was no way. I'm not. I'm not somebody to hunt a lot, you know. But if you've increased in, your in pop, your probabilistic chance of doing it, you know. You've influenced your decision sure. based on some data, and and you you had a slightly better chance. That, you know, you had a little bit more more odds of making it happen that way. It's interesting. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it because I probably would, but I don't again have private land where I feel confident putting that level of equipment out into the woods in the public hands, where it's like there's a couple bad eggs out there, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. We buy budget trail cameras and uh, we hang them at least a stick high. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And plus the other thing too, is like, we're, we're full implementation of trail cameras right now. We have to drive almost minimum of an hour, uh, to two hours to implement these trail cams. That's, that's, you know, that does cost us gas and, and time. And, and it, it's not like, oh, let me drive. <laughs> yeah. Let me drive 15 minutes down the road and, you know, run my four wheeler to the edge of the food plot and throw this camera up. No, man, it's, it's drive there, hike into to location X, and hang camera. And um, if you're going to hang a camera, you might as well double and triple check that it's at the right angle before you, you, you get out of Dodge. And then we, we generally don't check them for several weeks, uh, four-ish weeks, maybe. Yeah. We, may, we may hang a camera and not pull it till season. Uh, that, that's not uncommon just due to how we hunt. But that's got to feel like Christmas at that point when you're getting there finally checking them like, Oh man! Oh, but then if what are we getting into oh, this year? Like you. that's a weird problem that I I think I would have. I mean, it's like you, know, you get people like join the stock market, right? And they're they're day trading or whatever. And I would be the idiot that could never. I would have to look every freaking second. Like I'm that kind of personality. Where I, I also don't know that I could handle it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely you gotta. Sorry, yeah. like you said, sometimes we'll hang them now, like in you know June. And we don't pull it till February when we're in there scouting. And then we go in there and pull this camera to find out that a, uh, a, a limb broke on the tree up above <laughs> and it's been dangling in front of the camera the whole time. Yeah. And we got like, you know, 6,000 pictures of leaves. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's, it is what it is. That's you know, a rough one. Yep. That's, that's, yeah. And it, that's... You know, sometimes you go hang cameras in areas that you just, you plan on soaking them just because, you don't want to go in there and 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 send it up and and make a mess of things. So you just plan on soaking that and basically pulling it like. So you're going there. You're going to go in there and hunt. You know, maybe it's like a rut spot, like it's a doe bedding area. And uh, so you go in there in the rut. You know, beginning of November and you hunt it. And you pull the camera then. You know, and then we have areas where we hang a camera and we go to check it in four weeks to just find out if it's even like a spot worth us throwing our time at this season. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yes. It's a lot. It's a lot to consider. It's a lot of work. It's a lot that goes wrong. Some that goes right. I can't believe that you guys 
won't sometimes get them until February. So you actually go through the season. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things like, you know, you get busy. You try, we try and deploy, like I personally probably own, I think seven, seven ish cameras. Okay. And we deploy them and, uh, I may set them in, in places that, that uh, are new to, to the team. And, you know, if we get to them, great. But I also am using the, that camera data as far as, okay, next year, you know, there was a, ni- a couple nice bucks in here. Or even if they're two-and-a-half-year-olds, that's that means next year they're three-and-a-half. And, and that's kind of our plan. We, we, if we're moving cameras in the summer, it's literally find the three-and-a-half-year-olds and move. But some of these long-term soakers are almost just eyes in the woods for us. They're scouting while we're hunting. So, you know, as a team, we're almost doing double duty. I'm hunting location A, but, you know, X miles away across the state is another camera that's actually in the woods take, giving me data. Real feedback. For so you, yeah, so you're playing a longer game like that, then. That's that's fascinating. I lack that level of patience, I swear. Um the fact that you have the fortitude to stick with something like that or the discipline to to know that that's going to benefit you the following season. Cause man, I tell you what, like I ain't getting any younger and these years are actually starting to fly by pretty quick. Like it's already going to be oh, July yeah. as far as I'm concerned, which means I already got to start planning, like getting all the, all the fellas in line for gun season. We, we change up cabins because the one we stayed at got sold. And so we have to, you know, like I've started doing all this planning like now and before I know it, hunting season's going to be here. And I felt like I just walked out of the woods from last year. It's crazy. So that's yeah. not a bad way to go. Honestly, yeah. that's a really good idea. Yeah, because also like Dave and I's ten-year goal is to be respectable public land hunters with a great set of memories from what we've done, and yeah. and two, you know, bucks on the wall. I mean, uh, it, it doesn't all happen in one year. That's impossible. But you know, can I gain intel this year for future kills? That's what those, some of those cameras can be devoted to. Right. Or even not even like a whole other plot of land further away to not say that that's not a bad way to do it. But additionally, like the same plot of land, just the spot that you're not actually at. If you have an, an inkling, exactly. man, I would love to know what that spot looks like, but I, you know, I, I, I want to hunt this spot, you know, like, or vice versa, whatever. You just pop the camera at the other spot where you want to be and see what kind of intel you can collect. I might do that well, this year. That's, me, a, that's a great freaking plan. Let me interject a little bit too, as well. We um, we definitely rely heavily on the sign we find as well, like while we're out scouting and whatnot, because trail cameras do not tell you everything. No. You know, like we said, right. we, we you like so you're public land, so you, so you can't just like throw the cameras out in like and like an open oak flat or you know, the edge of a ag field that might be like butted up to the public or something. You can't just do that. You have to put it like on like a trail, <laughs> you know, so you, you or a scrape. You try to do the best you can, but you cannot trust your trail cameras. If you're going out there scouting, for out there scouting in January or February or even after season into March and stuff, if we find a good track, you know, a fresh you know, then, then honestly, that's an area that we don't need a trail camera in the following season. Yeah. Sure. Because sure. we know there's a good up there. So, you know, we why have waste to trust. The, yeah, this, why waste the energy? Yeah, trust the exactly. Yeah. Trust, trust, trust the sign, trust the habitat, yeah. trust hunting pressure, trust what you kind of know as far as, okay, this spot has good habitat. It's far back. Access is difficult. And we know there's those there just, you know, or we know there's deer there in general just from what we've seen from, from boots on the ground. Why we don't necessarily need a camera there? Yeah, a lot of our cameras will go to new spots, 
they'll go to um, known um, sanctuaries or doe bedding type of areas. That, that those are more just to like see if there's a good buck in the area that we want to devote a lot of our rut time to. Um, and then and they'll just go to and then a lot of our other cameras mainly just go to new pieces, just completely new areas. And it might not be a new piece, but a like new area of the same piece or something like that, right? Yeah. And then you go, damn it! I knew I should have sat there. <laughs> that's that's I'm okay doing. though. You, yeah. you, yeah, that's okay. You, you've gained intel. You, you you're right. You're right. That's the intent. So that's the that's what should logically follow. But we're not logical sometimes. We're a little emotional. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What's the saying? Emotion erodes logic. Right. That's what I've heard. Start thinking the wrong way, and suddenly you're not thinking straight anymore. But that's that's some great those are some great tips and tactics. Um, in an interesting way, it's not so much like you know, um, scout this way or whatever. But these are some great great things to kind of consider, especially as we're starting to think more and more about this year's hunting season. And these podcasts they live on forever, right? So this is something that's indexed that could be, you know, saved and queued up or transcribed or whatever as we, you know, find it applicable for different things. I'd love to have you guys on again. And maybe do another segment or something about something a little bit different as we get into like maybe scouting during gun season or during bow hunting. Like, what do you do to navigate around some things if your spot's not panning out great or whatever? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, later on, maybe during season or towards tail end season, we can definitely get back on and uh, we can relay probably, what we've Yeah, we can deep really, like, hey, how did it go? Yeah, you know, the, exactly. Or what, yeah, well, talk about some of the successes yeah, we've had or memories of. Yeah, public land comes with a lot of debacles and like like run-ins with some very interesting people. Sometimes <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can, yeah, you know, you've lived it if you've hunted public oh, yeah. for a handful of years. And uh, some of those stories in themselves can 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 definitely be an east slapper. <laughs> I'd say think about the think as you're going to the season, like the best story to come back to the the Weird On podcast, but you'll know it'll be the best story because it'll be the thing that you talk about. So we don't even have to think about it, right? It'll just be, it'll just be the story. So, um, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot you guys an invite to come back in, you know, September, November, somewhere in there. And as long as you'll, you know, be willing to be on again, I'd love to have you. And we can kind of see where things go for us as we continue to learn because we're never done learning in this, in hunting, especially on public land. Sure. Sure. No, that'd be awesome. That'd be a great opportunity. We'd appreciate it. Well, before we say our goodbyes for today, we have to um, let people know where they can find you guys and what you're all about specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think if anybody's in the social media realm, I think Instagram, the Whitetail Experience, it's uh, Whitetail underscore experience, black and orange logo. Um, appreciate anybody giving us a follow or a like. YouTube, we have a few different things out there if you're interested in looking there. Obviously, we've got our hunch from uh, this past year and the year before, uh, some short videos on there as well that are, they're a little, you know, quick to get through. And then we have like the hunting journal, which is kind of, oh, I'll call it two to four minute videos. It's more of a, a log side, uh, side of things as far as what we're doing on a weekly basis. That, that was really popular when we were uh, scouting from January to, to March. And we're still doing that a little bit here and there. And we plan to kind of continue that, um, during the season. Um, also, we just got on, if, if anyone's cell phone driven, like we just got on the Unfiltered Outdoors app, which is kind of a cool app to, to get, you know, be able to watch our, our videos straight on your phone. So so that's Sweet. another option you, you can awesome. do us at. Congrats. 
Yeah, no, that was kind of big news uh, last week, so appreciate that. Rock on. Well, thanks again, guys. I appreciate you coming on the show. And normally I say taking time out of the woods, but I don't think we're there just yet. But uh, thanks for taking time away from you know your families and, and things like that to, to hang out with me for a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you having us on. We love to love to talk public land and, and be on it with a guest that, that kind of understands what we're going through and what we're about. Yeah, and I've been doing public land for years, not knowing what I was doing, semi knowing what I was doing, and I've ran into some things. I got some stories I could tell. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> we, I, I think we all do. I got some weird ones too, man. We'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to hear one now, but. Let's keep them. Let's give them something to, to to look forward to coming back. Let's let's keep that in mind, and uh, I'll add that to the show notes so I don't forget when we come back around. Yeah, perfect. Rock on, guys. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yep. So that was a pretty awesome episode, but I'm biased. I think they're all pretty awesome episodes every single time. Um, There was one piece of information that came out of that that really stood out to me. And uh, instead of a tip of the week, I'm going to do a question of the week or a challenge or whatever. I want to challenge people to consider this question because I don't know the answer, um, but I'm curious to know what people think. So just something to think about and ponder on or consider whatever you want to say. But essentially... They mentioned, um, you know, if you bump a buck, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that means potentially to that animal, that spot, that bed where that buck was, did its job. It was an effective spot because the buck got alerted. So I thought about that a little bit more and I started thinking, well, then what? Is the buck going to go find a whole nother bed somewhere and, and call that one burned? You know, I, I guess who knows, uh, right? But I think some people might have a better idea than others, and I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are if you made it this far in the episode. But I'm actually curious about this because, you know, my mind, I've always considered if I bump a buck out of this bed, it's it's game over. That that buck ain't coming back. That bed has been burned or whatever you want to call it. And uh, this is the first time I've been challenged to think something else in that light that if the buck is bumped, then he's like that. That shit worked. That was a good spot for me. I'm going to keep coming back to the spot because it did its job, right? That's like having a, an alarm system in your home. It goes off and then you say, oh, we got to move. We, it's not a good spot. Well, maybe that's the case, but, um, or switch alarm companies or, or something. I'm not drawing a great analogy here, but in any event, it'd be something like that, right? Where I would say, well, okay, well, the alarm system worked, so I should keep using it. Uh, that's, that's what I challenge everyone that's listening to think about and consider if you make it this far and you listen, um, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. That's always great. Um, or, you know, leave a comment on the Facebook page or send a message. Uh, we have the website too, the where to hunt app.com. You can use, uh, the word where W H E R E and then the number two or the word two T O hunt app app.com. Uh, send some people over there if you'd like. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And uh, have a great day on public.